0: Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Hey, welcome back. So glad you're joining us here uh, at Nashville Vineyard uh, Church live stream, whatever we're calling this thing, Uh, over a year into this. We welcome you again uh, as we continue our series through the Ten Commandments. Just to recap of why we're doing this, the Lord came, we were in John, the Lord came and spoke to me and said, we have to get ready. We have to get ready for what is to come. And uh, the way that he said to prepare for this is that we need to have a greater understanding and application of, uh, of biblical principles of stewardship, biblical principles of giving, and biblical principles of loving. And so we're in the stewardship portion. How do we steward our lives? How do we live our lives like followers of Christ? What do God's people look like? and and we've been talking through the 10 commandments and these 10 commandments are an outpost they're they're markers that we are to to keep in our mind and and that we are to adhere to and that we and we are to uh to live our lives by. Jesus says that that not not a single thing from from the law will pass away uh, before he returns. And so these are still very much in play. And these have been relegated and they've been uh They've been talked about so much and, and familiarity brings contempt and they're, they're on people's doorposts and they're on, uh, you know, courthouses and all of that. And I believe that we have lost the meaning uh, and we've lost the plot on what, uh, what these commandments were for. And so we're, we're working our way through and we're on number six uh, today. And, uh, and so we're working our way through that. And and our foundational uh, text here is actually from the book of Isaiah, because this is what we believe is happening right now, that this is a word of the Lord uh, for us today. It comes out of Isaiah 55, if you want to go there. Just to give you a heads up, we're going to be in Isaiah 55, we're going to be in Exodus 20, and then we're going to go be in Matthew. So if you're following along in the text, um, I just gave you a little advance warning so you can flip with me before we get into that i'm gonna pray and and then we'll start with the uh, with the text so father we thank you so much we thank you that you have given us uh, a script of how we are to live our lives you you have given us these markers these these points that we are supposed to take and inscribe on our heart is what you say so that we can live a life of, that that leads towards flourishing so that we can live a life that that honors you. We thank you for that, Father. Father, I ask that you send your spirit to rest upon us, to to fill us to the full, to the overflowing because we cannot apply or understand these without the empowerment of your spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come? We welcome you. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you say? to us today and it's in the name of your son Jesus that we are able to pray and ask these things amen so isaiah 55 verse 6 is our foundational text verse 6 uh through we'll read uh through 9 and it says this it says seek the lord while he may be found verse 6 let the wicked call upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are my ways your ways says the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts so here's here's the big idea of why we're going through this The Lord is is saying, this is a moment for us to return. This is a moment for us, the people of God, to return to God, to seek him in this moment while he may be found. Indicating that there may be times where it'll be difficult uh, to hear from the Lord. Difficult to seek him. So this is a time to seek him while he may be found. uh, To call upon his name while he is near. And he is so, so near to us right now Uh, we had our Sunday morning service um, the first one uh, last uh, last Sunday the fourth and the presence of God was so there in the room as we just spent time worshiping uh, with one another uh, together and, and people were ministered to he is near in this moment right now I just encourage you to call upon his name while he's near and then it says to, "They'll let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And so the first part is to call out to him. He's near to seek him while he's found. And then to, to have a heart posture of repentance that, that you can't call out to him without eventually beginning to turn towards him. And as you turn towards him, you, you turn away from the wicked things that you've done. You've turned away from the things that you have thought and said and done these sins that have so held us back and 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 the western church and the church here in nashville the church everywhere people everywhere are mired in sin and they're and they're weakened in their walk in their faith because they're playing with sin and people don't talk about sin people don't talk about repenting from sin and it's not it's not a fun thing to talk about as as someone who talks about god for a living it's not my favorite thing to talk about because it's hard It's not fun, but we must begin to turn from our sins. We must begin to stop in our sins, quit playing with our sins. We must lay them down and he will pardon us, it says. He will have mercy on us as we begin to do that. And then as we do that, we have to keep in mind that our ways are not his way. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What does that mean? That means that we must conform our lives to the Scriptures, to the Word of God, because it's so much higher than anything that we can think. And as Christians, as I'm saying, as I'm seeing people in the church that are still playing around with sins, uh, and, and people in the capital C church, right? We're, we're just inundated with sins. So do I see people in the in the church that that are so enthralled with their own thoughts? so enthralled with their own way of thinking that they believe they know better and they're rewriting the scriptures and they're changing what they mean and and it's it's becoming an epidemic and because of that we're we're witnessing a pitiful powerless weakened bride a sick bride and this is not the bride That the father is wanting to return to and his son Jesus. This is not who Jesus is is wanting to meet and greet him. He, He is coming for a spotless bride and not for a whore. And so we need to begin to take these scriptures seriously so that we can prepare for his coming because he is coming soon. And I want to be ready. I want us to be ready. And so we have to take these things seriously because his ways are not our ways. And our prayer has to be the prayer of the psalmist. Teach us your ways, how you work, and how you move. This is Moses's prayer. Show me your ways so that I might learn your ways so that you can show me your ways. And so it has to be with us. We, we don't need to tell God his way. We need to listen to his way and then conform our lives to it. So with that in mind, May I spend the next 20 minutes or so, stepping on everyone's toes as we look into this sixth commandment. But may I do it with with humility and saying that I am not any better than you. And I'm just reading the text for what it says. And so we look here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. It's a very simple, short command. It says, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. Do not murder. Literally, it says no murder. So we're gonna spend the next little bit talking through what this means and and how does this apply to our lives? Because if you're like me, You may have not actually committed murder. Uh, Let me just say that for the record. I have never committed murder. This will be here somewhere. But for some of us, we glance over this, we go, no murder, check. Super easy. You know, some of us may have committed murder. I know that several thousand people a week all over the world are tuning into this. And so for some of us, we may have actually committed, you know, old-fashioned murder that we think about. But I know for most of us, This is a kind of an easy pass we get in the commandments, we think. And we say, don't commit murder. Check what's next. We may be like the rich young ruler who approached Jesus and says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He says, keep the commandments. You know the commandments. Don't steal. Don't commit murder. Uh, Don't commit adultery. And he's like, got it. Check, check, check. What else? I've done it all. We could be in that place, and for so many, I think that we are in that place where, where we just breeze right past this. It's it's a sentence. Uh, it's it's a short sentence. It's four words, and if we do accidentally stumble across the Ten Commandments and we accidentally read through because we don't read our Bibles in, anymore, and we ac- accidentally read through chapter twenty, I'm willing to bet this one gets passed over pretty easily, because for the most part. We have not committed murder in the sense that we think. But we have to understand what this means. This means murder, killing of innocent lives. This isn't a uh, a talk on um, on what constitutes a just war. We could talk about that. Maybe we should talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that one day. This isn't a talk about uh self-defense and the ins and outs i mean there are people that have spent their lives talking about what this means and what it doesn't mean the word is murder it's not kill and so there's a lot of implications that go with that but most of the time what it means is it means don't take the life of an innocent don't take the life of an innocent there's other other parts of the scripture that you'll read in Numbers and in Deuteronomy where it talks about what happens when, you know, when you're in this self-defense situation and, and how it works and 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 the, the punishments for those and all of that sort of thing, but 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 that's self-defense. That's that's where where hey they, they're trying to kill me. They're trying to kill my family. They're, you know, there's other issues involved. But this command is don't murder the innocents. And so I'm gonna talk about two primary ways that a lot of us murder the innocents. You see, if we, if I were to spend my time talking about how you, sh- you shouldn't be a mass murderer, or you shouldn't do that, I think I all of our eyes would gloss over because we would be okay with that. But there is murder taking place, and for many of us, there is blood on our hands. In fact, as I was sitting here, and I mean, thinking about this, uh, what I typically do is—is is I, you know, I study the text and you know, read read commentaries and, and and try to find people that are much smarter than me on what I should say, and and then I'll go to the Lord and say, "So what do you say about this? You know, what what do you want to say about this?" And, and here's the thing that I heard the Lord say about this command to not commit murder. I heard the Lord say that that his people their hands are are full of blood they have bloodied hands and it's a disgrace to the hands that were nailed on the cross where blood dripped out for our healing and salvation that there are many 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 of us with blood on our hands and it is wrong and there are many 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 of us that could be caught counted as murderers in the truest sense of the world of the word and so i'm going to talk about two ways two of the most common ways that we are probably uh guilty of of murder as a people of god should be a fun one well sometimes adhering to the scriptures means hearing hard things And understanding, oh, that's true. God's ways are not my ways. So I have to hear these hard things. Because we read earlier that a son, a daughter, understands and recognizes that discipline is from the Lord. And the Lord disciplines those that he loves. And so if you're hearing this today and you feel that sting, you shouldn't feel condemnation. This is not a guilt thing. This is not... um, putting you down. This is none of that. This is, this is maybe the Lord disciplining us so that we can repent. It's, it's easy and turn to him. He will heal those places of brokenness. He promises to do that. He wants to do that. He's desperate to do that. And these, these places, these commandments that are here, that, that are, that are outlined here. Let me just tell you that, that all of these, if, if we violate these commandments, what they do is they open ourselves up To be tormented and tortured by the enemy of our souls and our lives and i have seen over and over again as i've sat with broken people who whose lives are falling apart i have seen that so much of of their suffering so much of, of the enemy's strongholds can be traced back to a violation and a breaking of one of these commandments. And the Lord is not giving us these commands to, to so that we feel condemnation over ourselves. He's given us these commands so that we can adhere to them, repent if we break them, and experience what? Life, and life to the full is what Jesus says. So I preface this before I get into that to understand I'm not here to make you feel bad. That doesn't do anything at all. But we can't know the depths of the problem until we know the problem, and then we can begin to heal. So what are the two ways? Well, the first way that, that most of us have been affected or caused uh, murder, been, been called a murderer, been an accessory to murder, uh, had been affected by murder, would be under this issue of abortion. And abortion uh, is murder. Let me just say that very explicitly from the beginning. It is the taking of innocent lives. Now, I've lost many people right here, (laughs) and that's okay. Uh, But let me just tell you, it's just absolutely the truth. It's just, it just is. It's not a, it's not a, a political ideal. It's not a hot button issue. It's not a right. It's just murder. And so we have to just come to grips with that. And it's an astounding amount of murder that is taking place in the name of convenience in the name maybe of health but it's an astounding amount uh, of murder and there are there is blood on our hands there's blood on our country's hands Uh, I'm not saying that that's the only problem we have a lot of problems uh, but just because I'm talking about one specific problem within this text doesn't mean I'm negating all of the other problems, so don't start with that. But we we have blood on our hands as a as a country, uh, maybe as voters, as people that have committed this act of murder, as people that have paid for this, people that have been accessories to this. And I could spend the next little bit convincing you that... Well, life actually is started at conception and all of that sort of thing, but we all know it, okay? Uh, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty clear, it's pretty obvious that uh, that a baby in a womb is a person. It's an innocent life, and we can call it a fetus. We can call it whatever we want. It's an innocent, it's an innocent life, and so we have to reconcile with this. The people of god have to reconcile with us for too long we've tiptoed around it or we've used it as some sort of a weapon uh, to beat people with and both of those are wrong the church the way the church has responded at times has been wrong and we have to repent to that as well we've responded out of anger we've responded out of condemnation we've responded out of guilt We've responded by attacking uh, the, the victims of this, e- even those that have, are so, so hurting and confused as they're entering into the clinics. I mean, we've responded to this in many ways, in many instances, pretty terribly. We've also responded to this pretty well in some instances. Uh, the, you know, the largest uh, portion of, of adoption, um, you know, all of the all of the education around it. Much of that is Christian-driven. Much of that is the church trying to step in and solve. Could it be better? For sure. For sure. Do we have to get better? For sure. We do. But it doesn't negate what, what is actually going on. And so on behalf of the church, if you have been wronged by the church uh, because of this, if you've experienced condemnation, if you've experienced condemnation, um, People using this as a weapon to beat you up politically or spiritually or um, in any number of ways. Uh, if, you've, if you've been abused by that hypocrisy as a member of the church, let me just say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, that that we've failed you in that. It is not okay and it's not right. And it is a shame, and God hates it. He wants his church to represent him well. And when we fail, it is a blot on him, and it's not okay. And so I'm sorry. I'd love to talk with you. You can email me, grant at nashvillevineyard.org, and I'd love to to pray and to see, you know, how we can begin to heal those wounds, it's not okay. But it doesn't take away the fact that there is a there's a problem going on. We always talk about like abuse, the answer to abuse is not neglect And because the, the church may have had some, some missteps and some done some atrocious things, doesn't take away the reality that this is still not okay. It's still murder. And the numbers are astounding. And, and when I talk with people who don't understand, because I didn't used to understand, before I came to Jesus, I, I didn't think it was that big a deal. In fact, I would argue for it and I, I wouldn't understand all of, all of the things. And after I came to Jesus, I began to understand the implications. The first one is, is that we're created in the image of God. We're image bearers. And so any sort of mark against that is an affront to God. Life is sacred in all forms. And so when there, when there is an affront on that, when there's a disfigurement of that, then, then that is an affront of God, on God. And so the first, first and foremost is that we're image bearers of God. And so when we, when we take those image uh, and, and, we, and we take life casually, then what we're doing is we're taking an affront to God. So that's the first one. The, the second one is that it's just, it's just an astronomically huge number that that is happening before our eyes on our watch and and i believed at some some level we will be judged for just sort of standing by uh and and beginning to um uh to 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 say nothing let me let me just read you some statistics these are just mind-blowing statistics more than 1.5 billion babies have been aborted worldwide in the past 50 years. 1.5 billion. An estimated 50 million abortions are carried out throughout the world every year. One in five pregnancies worldwide end in abortion. Approximately 90% of Down syndrome babies are aborted worldwide 90 percent can i tell you some of the most powerful prayers that i have ever received personally have been from a good friend of mine who has down syndrome who i love so much and i have never experienced the power of god and the love of god as i have when he laid his hand on me and prayed for me in a church lobby i was overwhelmed and overcome and to think that his life is disposable is despicable He's an incredible image-bearer of God. 42% of all yearly deaths in the world are from abortion. Let me just say that again. 42% of all deaths in the world are from abortion. Isn't that insane? That should shock us. Every two seconds, a baby is aborted. Every time your heart beats, a baby dies. That's just mind-boggling. And this is interesting here too because I believe this is not just a political thing. This is a, this is an like a strategy of the enemy. What happened before God freed his people from Egypt? All of a sudden an edict goes out that all of the babies should die. What happened before Christ came? All of a sudden as when after right after Christ came actually In a baby, all of a sudden, an edict came out. All the babies should die. This is a tactic of the enemy. This is a strategy that he has to wipe out these image bearers. But not just image bearers, destiny carriers of God. The scriptures are very clear about how he forms people in their wombs, about how he calls people in the womb. You know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and and he's calling them to the womb. We see, uh, we see the Holy Spirit. Filling John the Baptist in the womb. We see, you know, the Christ in the womb. And, and, and we see in Ephesians that, that we have a calling and a destiny to do works that were prepared for us far before we were in the womb, before the foundations of the earth were laid in place. And so what is the best and easiest thing that the enemy can do is get those people before they can even be born. And so I actually think that this generation that is coming up since, and most of these statistics go back for 50 years. So the people that are born from then on, I believe there is such a calling, and I believe it's an end time calling, quite frankly, to begin to see the harvest come in like never before. The enemy can see the things happening in the spirit realm much better than we can, because that's where he resides. And so he has gone full court press, into this 1.5 billion souls who have been murdered by abortion in the past 50 years. Listen to this, baby girls, and this is why I, I mentioned this, baby girls are a particular target of abortion. At least 100 million girls have already been wiped out through this gender site. The deliberate targeting of baby girls for abortion. This is, a, this is something people do across the world they target girls, women, in, to, to be aborted. They've disproportionately been aborted. It's not an even game. Wouldn't the enemy be doing this in order to put a stop? Doesn't this seem demonic in every way? In the U.S., over 50 million abortions have taken place since 1973. 50 million and these are these are statistics that are that are the most astounding and I believe the most troubling, not the most troubling, but they're very troubling. It's all troubling. It's hard to pick what's more troubling. More African American babies have been killed by abortion since 1973 than the total number of African American deaths from AIDS, violent crimes, accidents, cancer, and heart disease combined. Is that not mind-boggling? More than 13 million African-Americans have been murdered through abortion since 1973. It appears as though they have a target on them. One statistic says that since 1973, the abortion abortion has reduced the black population in the U.S. by over 25%. In the book Freakonomics, it talks about uh, a decline in crime. And it, chase, it it. traces back the origin to Roe v. Wade in that so many uh, of, of these people that were supposed to be alive aren't alive because of abortion. And so it traces this drop in crime. This, this is an epidemic. I mean, in the U.S., over 90% of Down syndrome babies are aborted. So we're tracking on that with the world. The abortion industry in America each year in the U.S. brings uh, in approximately $831 million uh, through abortion services uh, alone. Get this. In America, more deaths from abortion than all the wars, the 1918 flu pandemic, COVID deaths, AIDS, and the leading causes of death, um, heart disease annually, more more abortions more people have died from abortion i didn't say that right more people have died from abortion than have died from all the wars plus the 1918 flu pandemic plus covid plus aids in america i mean that's that's mind-boggling uh if you actually count abortions as death and murder uh which a lot of the tracking uh doesn't include it that way it would be the leading cause of death in America uh, than out, outweighing heart disease, which is known as the as the leading cause of death in America. There's more people aborted, about 800 and something thousand, um, than than heart disease. It's the leading cause of death in America. We, we have a murder problem. I think it's it's clear. And you don't have to, to be a serial killer or, uh, a subject of, of a cold case podcast to be counted as a murderer. We have a problem. Now listen, no condemnation. I, I'm, I'm betting that people hearing this have had an abortion, have driven someone to an abortion, have paid for an abortion, and are are under the terms of this law, a convicted murderer. The good news is that Jesus died for murderers. He explicitly forgives murderers as he's being murdered on the cross. His his death has paved a way to to freedom and forgiveness and new life and, and a new life in Christ. There is hope for you. This is not the end of the story. There is redemption for you, and the Lord will take whatever the enemy has meant for evil in your life, and he will turn that and he will use that for good. So please hear that. I want you to go away with hope. It is the kindness of God that leads us towards repentance. Not the condemnation, not the guilt, not the meanness. It's the kindness. And he's so kind and his heart is as much towards you as it was to those babies. And he... Wants to restore and redeem and forgive you, and bring you into His family. And for those fathers who have been an accessory uh, to the murder, He wants to begin to to explode the gift of fatherhood in your life, so that you can experience the redemption of that. For the mothers who have been uh, an accessory to this, who have committed uh, murder in this way, He wants to begin to bring you uh, young women and young men for you to mother. So that you can begin to experience redemption and a restoration of this. There is hope. And listen, as a pastor, I sit with people who have had abortions and it doesn't go away. It haunts them. Every year it haunts them. As they look at their kids, there's one missing. It haunts them. As they look at their grandkids, there's some that are missing. It haunts them. This is not something that's easily gotten over. This is a hard Thing, and only the Lord can bring healing to those places. And he wants to desperately. And so this should be a hopeful message. But we have to understand that this is a problem. And we have to repent. We have to repent from this ourselves. We have to repent on behalf of the nation. We have to repent on behalf of the world to stand in the gap and say, look, as far as I can help it, I want to repent for this. God. I want to be a part of us turning from this. How can I do that? How can I participate with you in that way? So let me step on a few more toes just quickly. If that wasn't bad enough, we turn to the words of Jesus. Instead of making everything all okay and there's no big deal on anything, which is what we typically think Jesus does, Jesus actually ups the ante. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He says, You have heard it was said to those of old. He's talking about the commandment here. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Racha, shall be in danger of the the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is upping the ante here. Maybe you haven't committed murder. Maybe you haven't been a part or party to an abortion or a serial killing or whatever. And Jesus says, that's great. But let me tell you what the root of murder is, it's anger. Have you been angry? Have you been angry with your brother? Do you hold unforgiveness in your heart towards friends and family and co-workers and people you know and, and people that you know online and people that are members of the other party that you're not affiliated with, people that uh, may be a part of a church that you disagree with? Do you hold unforgiveness and anger and towards those people? Do you say things, you know, something like, they're a fool? I mean, I mean, honestly, they're a fool is pretty pretty mild compared to what most people say about people that they're angry with. And Jesus says, let me tell you that as far as I'm concerned, and he's the judge, so that's all that matters is his opinion, it's the same thing. Which means we are all guilty of murder. We're all murderers. And we need to repent and we need to stop abortion is a huge problem it needs to be talked about more needs to be talked about a lot more but you know what's another huge problem is people that claim to follow Jesus acting like the world people that claim to follow Jesus lobbying hate lobbying uh anger malicious words hateful words accusations all of that towards people that they encounter, that they know. The word brother here can mean anything from blood brother to a people of their own nation, people in their own country. It's a pretty expansive word, which means we can't do this with anyone. I mean, Peter later is like, okay, I, I get that, but how many times, like how many times do I have to forgive, right? Because anger and unforgiveness, I mean, they go together. And so he's trying to nail it down, like, okay, I mean, don't be angry, right? But for how long? And Jesus makes it clear like, like, you can never harbor this in your heart. You can never, you can never be angry with someone and and build up a hatred towards someone and build up unforgiveness towards someone. You just can't do it. And if you find yourself angry at someone, he tells us what to do. Make it right. Fix it. Don't let it fester. Because what happens is, is it, it begins to develop a wound. It begins to develop a wound spiritually. It begins to be infected spiritually. And it affects your vision, it affects your heart, it affects your health, it, it affects everything. And before you know it, you're sitting in front of me having to get it delivered out of you from, from the demonic oppression that you've welcomed into your life by harboring anger and unforgiveness towards people. It is a poison. It is a blight and it is an abomination towards God to harbor anger towards your brothers and your sisters who are my brothers and my sisters they, Jesus was family famously asked as he said these things and he showed them the ones that they hated the most in in the uh, in the Good Samaritan and he said that is your brother and your sister who is my neighbor Who do I have to act neighborly to? Who do I have to love my neighbor as myself? And he says, the good Samaritan. In other words, those people, those people right now that you think, maybe I don't actually have to not be angry with them. Those are the people that you have to not be angry with. You can't harbor anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't allow yourself to be angry. And what do we see? All the time, everywhere we go, it's just frothing to the full as people being angry. And worse than people being angry, it is people that claim to be followers of Jesus. You can't follow Jesus and be constantly angry with people. You can't follow Jesus and harbor unforgiveness. He's not walking that way. He's walking towards the cross, and as he's walking towards the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is what followers of Jesus look like. They do not look like people that are angry and bitter and unforgiving towards, guess what? Anyone. Paul says, our battle has nothing to do with any person that you ever come in contact with. Any person, period. Our battle is with the spiritual forces, the rulers, the principalities. You want to fight someone, you want to get angry at someone, you get angry at the devil. You want to fight someone, you want to get angry at someone, you begin to watch the kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You begin to watch the sick be healed. You begin to watch the oppressed be freed. You begin to watch good news proclaimed to the poor. That is how you get even. If you're angry, be angry at the right person. And it's not a person. It's the enemy, the devil, and his demonic spiritual forces, the principalities, the rulers. And we waste our time and we waste our energy and we waste our emotions and we waste relationships on getting angry at the wrong subjects. And it is a sin. And it is a violation of this commandment. And there are so many Christians, and this is, I'm going to open up a whole can here. There are so many Christians walking around tormented by demons that have been welcomed in by harboring anger and unforgiveness. And you're fighting with one hand behind your back. And it's not the will of the Lord. Anger doesn't do you any good. It literally will physically kill you stress and the anxiety it causes makes your brain dull I mean literally you can look up all the studies of what anger and unforgiveness will do to your body it's unbelievable it's poison to your body it's even worse for your spirit and the people of God have an anger problem we're known actually as being angry people isn't that terrible angry old Christians Angry at everybody, angry at sinners. So much so that we have to come up with a with a slogan that says, "No, no, 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 no. We, we we hate the sin, not the sinner." It's like, yeah, well, you're doing a pretty good job of confusing it. At least so it seems. I hate sin, but I love people, and I love them enough to to sit here and to talk about all this hard stuff, and I love them enough to keep talking about it. And hopefully they know that I love them, especially when we're having a one-on-one. But we have an anger problem, which means we have a murder problem. And so brothers and sisters, we have to stop murdering. We We have to stop it. We are supposed to be known, what? For our love for one another. That's how the world is supposed to know that we belong to Jesus. Not for our rage, not for our spite, not for our our condescending, sarcastic, biting remarks towards one another. You know how many, I see pastors on both sides of this political spectrum just constantly tearing each other apart. And I, I don't know who they're pastoring or who they're pastors of because it ain't Jesus on either side. And we have to stop. We have to stop. We have to look like Jesus. We have to look like his bride, bloodied, beaten, misused, maligned, abandoned, lied against, spit on, whipped, broken, and yet pleading to the Father for their forgiveness and for their freedom. That is what a Christian looks like. And I don't care what Christian you have in your mind or what person you have in your mind. That you think uh, this should should actually be the resi- you know, receive your anger. But the scriptures are very clear that none of it is justified. The disciples one time were getting maligned and they were getting mistreated, and they said, you know, okay, hey, let's just call down some fire and blow these guys up. And Jesus is like, man, you don't get it. <laughs> you just don't get it. I have literally heard Christians say that, that they want, they want, you know, I'm just praying the Lord just smokes them out. It's you don't get it. For God so loved the world, the whole world, whole world, even that person, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish. But have everlasting life. That means even those people that you hate, if they believe in him, you're gonna spend eternity trying to work that out. Can we repent of our anger? Can we can we stop being known as an angry people? Can we start being known as a loving people? I'd love I'd, I'd love to do that. I would love it if people could say like, man, I just think that they're crazy, they're backwards, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, they're so antiquated, but they just they love people. Everywhere they go, good seems to pro- follow them. Everywhere, they, everywhere there's Christians, if there's two or three of these Christians and they and they come into agreement and they gather together, we just start to see just like flourishing, human flourishing happen. We see people being lifted out of poverty. We see people repenting of, of racism. We see people uh, beginning to repent uh, of things that we didn't even know that you needed to repent of. And people are changing and people are full of joy and people are just walking around like completely different people. Like they've been set free of something. Of what? I don't know. I don't understand all of their beliefs. But... We can't deny the trail of good that is left in their wake. What if that was what people said about Christians? I believe that that's what they're supposed to say. So followers of Jesus, would you join me in repenting daily? Look, I have an anger issue. I get angry. I get it. They say all the time ministry would be super easy if it wasn't for all the people. But we cannot excuse the sin of murder that we are guilty of okay we have to stop it I have to stop it okay hey next week's adultery so I'll be stepping on a lot of toes next week too if you want to join in uh because this is just how it works so uh this is a lot and I get it and and it's going to take a lot of work it's going to take us crucifying our flesh every day. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but it seems to be what's required when I look at the scriptures. So I hope you'll join me in this. I hope you'll begin to invite the Holy Spirit to say, "I I can't stop being angry. I can't stop that. Would you help me to stop it? I can't I can't forgive this person. Would you help me forgive this person? I I can't walk around and and, and love people. These people drive me nuts. Can you help me?" For- do this and he will because it is his will that you keep these commandments but you can't do it on your own you have to let him in to do it okay so let's pray and invite him in to do that right holy spirit we welcome you we welcome you would you search us search us search the depths of our heart where are those places in our heart that we're angry Where, who are those people that we've harbored anger and ill will against? Who are those people that we haven't forgiven? Groups of people. Who, who are they? Bring those to our mind. Now we repent, it's wrong. And we repent of murder. We repent of violating your commandment. We repent of violating your scripture and your word. We're sorry. We're guilty. And we ask that you forgive us with your mercy and with your grace. And we know that you will because you said you will. And we receive your forgiveness now in Jesus' name. Father, keep us from the temptation of anger. Father, keep us from from condemnation that is being hurled our way as we talk about abortion and anger and murder. Lord, we know that it's the enemy's tactic to use that to beat us over the head and to keep us miserable, defeated followers of you, but you want us to be victorious. So we need your help. Bring us joy where there's sadness. Bring us joy where there's anger. Bring us joy where there's condemnation. We rebuke condemnation now in Jesus' name. That is not from God. And we receive grace and forgiveness and mercy, which is from you. Grace pulls us up. Conviction pulls us up. Condemnation beats us down, and that is not from Jesus. And so we just reject that now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. We bless your name. And it is in your holy, wonderful name that we pray and believe and receive these things. Amen. So, if you're still watching, I hope to see you here uh, next week uh, at our 10 o'clock live or anytime uh, during the week on demand uh, I could see in our home churches uh, they're going on all over the area at different times different days hope to see you uh, as uh, tonight as uh, as we get ready for our worship night worship together um, it's going to be a good good time or I could see you at 11 o'clock uh, at our building at 522 Russell Street every Sunday. but either way I hope the Lord blesses you and he keeps you his face shines upon you. Blessings. For all upcoming events and more information about the National Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nationalvineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.